Good afternoon, my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Sorry. There is a verse in the New Testament that has long since fascinated me. From I just I didn't know where it was until I just looked at Googled it. But this first, Second uh, Corinthians two verse eleven. First First Corinthians two verse eleven says, "The spirit." Sorry. Who, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. No, other translations render verse 11, only the spirit of the man knows the man. You know, and um, I've, I was looking online earlier and it said, you know, what is the spirit? And the spirit is like, you know, the, as Paul says too, who knows a person's thoughts, right? Except their own spirit. You're the only one who knows what you're thinking, unless, of course, you tell people what you're thinking. But there's so much that goes on inside of us, behind our eyes, in our minds, in our spirit, you know, in our intellect, our emotions, our creativity, that simply don't have space outside of our being, if you will. Like, in other words, obviously, we don't speak much more than we speak. And, you know, and that's, and that's good, that's, that's healthy, that's reasonable, because if you're always talking, that, that's um, foolish. You know, as I've heard many people say, this is real slow too, that there's a reason that the good Lord gave us two ears and one mouth so that we should be listening minimally twice as much as we're talking. But yeah, this is, uh, this, is a, this verse has long since fascinated me that only the spirit of the man knows the man. Or, or basically, you're the only one who knows what you're thinking. Because I thought, well, you know, um, a lot of people know me, especially, obviously, my wife. My wife knows me better than anyone on a personal, intimate level, humanly speaking, which, of course, is normal and natural, as she is my spouse. But I was thinking, you know, there's so many things that go on in the inner man that don't get expressed, that don't get, um, yeah, communicated. Because, you know, there's so much we live in just between us and the Lord and, uh, you know, even, you know, inner dialogue, right? There's so much that goes on in that space and that place. And it's healthy and it's normal and, you know, and we're created this way. We're created that we have this inner dialogue and we also have this dialogue between us and the Lord, obviously. And it's just a beautiful, natural and just, you know, part of just the way that we're been created in God's image, as the word says in Genesis 1 verse 27. So I think it's important for us to realize how much of life is spent in our inner being, in our inner life, thinking, you know, all these things that, cr that cross the human mind that we have to deal with internally, whether emotionally or mentally or psychologically or spiritually, or all or some of the aforementioned. But it's important for us to realize that a good chunk of life gets lived internally. We internalize things, we process things inside, in the inner man, in our spirit, you know. We have our thoughts, will, and emotions, we have our intellect, we have our creativity, we have our gifts, our abilities, we have our strengths and weaknesses, and all these things reside inside interesting fascinates me man it fascinates me to know that the majority of our life is lived internally you know we live from the inside out right because we're not 
robots. We're not, we don't just do things blindly. I mean, okay, we can do things robotically, so to speak, but we are not robots. We have thoughts. We can say yes or no to things. You know, a robot is programmed, if it works and functions properly as it should and designed to do, to do only what's instructed to do. Human beings are not like that. Human beings don't always do what they're instructed to do. And sometimes that's a good thing, by the way, especially if you're instructed to do something you shouldn't be doing. But there's also a, a point where it comes to just questioning the instruction itself. You know, a lot of people, it's not just like you're being told to do something. Like, for example, if you're at work and your supervisor tells you to do something that's unethical or unsafe, you have a choice, right? A robot doesn't have the choice. A robot's programmed to do what its programmer tells it to do if it's functioning properly, of course. But a human being is not like that. A human being can choose to do what they're told to do or not to do what they're told chose to do. Like for just, you know, I'll just give an example for myself. I have work later tonight and I can choose to stay home or I can choose to go to work. Now I'm choosing to go to work, <laughs> but my point is as a human being, I have the choice. I'm not a robot. I can make decisions and I make, we all make decisions every day. And the fact that we make decisions obviously is indica indicative that we're not robotic or robots. Now, of course, that's normal and natural and obvious as well. But we need to realize the importance of this inner life lived before God and also in the inner dialogues that we have with ourselves. We have inner dialogues with ourselves, which, by the way, is not the same thing as speaking to ourselves, but to have an inner dialogue with yourself. Everyone does. You know, it's not about, you know, whatever, hearing voices or whatever. I mean, you do hear voices, I mean, in the sense that you, you're, you can hear the voice of God on a spiritual level, inside, mentally, spiritually, psychologically, so forth. There's also the dialogues, inner dialogues that you have with yourself. You know, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Or should I say this to that person or not say that to this person? And, you know, all these things happen on a very quick, very, very quick level. I mean, there are thoughts that cross our mind. I mean, I've heard someone say um, a couple of years ago that the human um, brain processes more than 1 billion ca calculations a second in terms of depth perception, light, color, um, you know, even the fact that we see everything upside down and our brain flips it up, right side up so we can th see things like the way they are. But it happens so fast that you and I don't see it <laughs> happening because it's, it's happening at the speed of light. So, you know, there's so many things. I mean, our, the way that God has created us is just simply mind-blowing too, which have, <laughs> it's rather obvious and evident. Um, so, yeah, we have to realize this, how powerful it is, how important it is to that we live, we have this life inside, internally, in the inner man, in our spirit. And only the spirit of the man knows the man. Of course, that generically that applies to women as well. Only the spirit of a woman knows the woman. And you have to realize, understand, and live in this place. Well, you live in this place anyway. We all do. You know, because you can sit on a bus. And a lot of times, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot of times on the, when I'm sitting on the bus, Practically nobody is talking. You know, there's a little bit of dialogue conversation, but you know, a lot of times people are just tired, man. 
especially first thing in the morning or later on at night, especially after my shift, after 12 hours, I'm not too talkative. I'm pretty wiped. I'm pretty tired. I'm just wanting to, yeah, just sit there and relax. So, yeah, we've, we have this life inside and we have to learn to cultivate it. Yeah, because thoughts are important and, you know, I've, I'll say this till the day Jesus comes home or, or takes me home or returns. That, you know, you have to learn to take your thought life seriously. You have to learn to take your thoughts captive to Christ. And you have to realize how monumentally important your thought life is in Christ and life generally and synonymously. Back to 2 Corinthians 10, 5, right? Casting down imaginations and every high and lofty thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we make every thought captive, to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And again, the word captive in Greek means take hold of or arrest. So this is a very assertive, you know, aggressive command in our thoughts and how to win um, victory in life and in Christ in our thought life. And then there's other verses like Romans 12, 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that you may know and approve what God's will is, His good, perfect, and pleasing will. Second Timothy 1, 7, We have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but one of power, love, and soundness of mind. Uh, somewhere in um, uh, Philippians 4, towards somewhere between 4 and 9, Paul says, you know, um, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable and praiseworthy, think of, you know, whatever you've seen or heard or, you know, seen in me, put into practice, think on these things, dwell on these things, right? So there is um, a call on the believer to think pure and lovely and admirable and praiseworthy things. And to, you know, we've not been given the spirit of fear to many, but one of power, love, and sound mind, and cast down imaginations and every high and lofty thought. That sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take, make every thought captive to make them obedient to Christ. Powerful stuff, man. And all this stuff happens in your inner man, in your spirit. You have to realize that the battle for your soul is waged in the spirit of your mind. And that is where victory or defeat in life in Christ happens on a daily. Now there's victory, of course, being in Christ, your salvation, that's that's huge, it's important, obviously monumentally important, top priority to be in Christ. That's a free gift of salvation. The Bible makes it very clear in Ephesians 2.9. But then there's the working out of salvation, as the Bible talks about in Philippians 2.12. So you have to understand these things in context. So and this and this happens in the spirit of your mind. In other words, the battle has been won. Jesus crushed Satan on the cross two thousand years ago, when he rose again from the dead. So, when the, but there's still battles and skirmishes. So, Satan has been crushed in terms of spirit, spirit, and he will be thrown into hell for all eternity when Jesus comes back, and. You know, then there's, but there's also these, like I said, these these skirmishes, these ongoing little fights, if you will, in the spiritual between the spiritual kingdoms between now and when Christ returns, and that's why we're called, instructed, as Paul instructs us to do, 
in Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, about putting on the full armor of God, you know, and there's no, obviously, instruction about taking that armor off, ever. So, the Christian is called to be battle-ready, spiritually speaking, to engage in spiritual warfare, to acknowledge it as a reality, and to, again, acknowledge that the battle for your soul and mine is waged in the spirit of our mind. That's why it's so important to take your thoughts captive to Jesus Christ. As it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Take your thought life seriously. <sighs> man. Live in your inner... This this conversation, this dialogue in your inner man. Between you and God. And you... Yeah, even your own, your own inner dialogue. Alright? It's important stuff. It's powerful stuff. And it's stuff... And the stuff is in the Bible for a reason, man. Gotta take it seriously. Love you all. Peace out, Brother Rob.